and avoiding something like forceps where you're forcing or doing any type of forceful um, procedure because, you know, birth is more of a soft tissue process than it is a bony process. I'm yes. pregnant with my first due in January. And right now I'm hearing a lot about how visitors, um, you know, anybody besides me and my husband should not be kissing the baby. Hi, Cindy and Trisha. Big fan of your podcast. Thank you for all that you do. I had a question uh, regarding using breast milk topically to try to heal things. Um, I think it's one of the ones women fear the least because Pitocin is so scary because there's so many risks with other things, but I think it appears more harmless than it is. Why would you take on risk just to have a quicker labor? Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Hello. Welcome to the December Q&A. In this lovely holiday season of magical white lights and a little too much Christmas music, if you ask me. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, it started before (laughs) Halloween this year. I actually saw somebody's house fully decorated, top to bottom. Come on. Big up, blow up Santas and reindeer and Christmas lights in the yard before Halloween this year. People have obsessions. And they, these are the people who don't leave it up until after Valentine's Day. I don't understand. I just don't get the... It I, dilutes I mean, the Christmas spirit, in my opinion. It dilutes it. I know, right? Yeah. I, I really like to hear it when we're decorating or like doing our cooking, but a few months worth is just never okay. Don't start selling the eggnog until December 15th, please. <laughs> All right. Too much. Well, we put on Instagram, we asked everyone regarding the holidays. Tell us something funny, challenging, difficult, unusual, or special about your family or your partner's family, a story, a tradition, or a situation. I haven't read these yet, and you haven't seen them yet, so I just have, them, nope. but haven't opened them yet. So I thought we should go through them together and share them. And make fun of them? <laughs> if, they're, if they're worthy of being made fun of, I, I really didn't think of it that way. Let's see what we got. All right. Honestly, I'm just on always on the lookout for new special traditions because I think those are really nice. That's one wonderful thing about the, the season. Okay. So first one, um, my birthday is December 31st. Okay. Happy birthday, Mackenzie. Um, mother-in-law takes me shopping the day after Christmas, just us to relax. That's sweet. Nothing to make fun of there. No, That's beautiful. No, it's not. <laughs> you cynic. Okay. All right. Now it says, Everyone gets sick every holiday we get together because of one specific aunt denying she's sick. <laughs> I guess this aunt is always carrying some virus or something. No, no, no. It's it's no, no. I'm not sick. I'm just uh, just getting over it. No, nope. it's allergies. I, I just want to know why. allergies. Oh, those people who call things allergies when they're sick. Who do they think they're fooling? <laughs> um, but it's funny. Why is this aunt always sick? Is what I want to know. We don't allow our ten month old. TV. Okay. Understandable. 
but in-laws always have the TV on. So I have to play with him in the other room. Oh, come on, just oh that's annoying. The just turn the TV off. off. Doesn't anyone notice? Or, or mute it. It's probably like... They're still going like, to have their eyes on it. But. It's probably like toxic politics too, you know? <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely <laughs> muted then. It's not like one happy Christmas movie after another, I bet. All right. We no longer speak to my husband's parents, starting with our own traditions, starting our own traditions with our girls. And that's difficult. I've known plenty of women in that situation. I don't know if I'd call that a tradition. No, it's not. No, the not speaking to the husband's parents <laughs> in the tradition, Trisha. Just the part where she said we're starting our own traditions with our girls is the tradition part. Oh, I thought she meant the not speaking to her. Of course not. No one parents. would call that a tradition. We're going to start a new tradition, everyone. We're no longer speaking to you. Yeah, that's that's not a tradition. That's a declaration. My sister-in-law literally cannot function unless she's causing drama and is the center of attention. Some people live in that state. She literally can't function. Every year, my husband and I sleep by the tree. We'll see this. I have a newborn. That is sweet. I that, love that. That's so precious. Yeah, they, they can do that with a newborn. Let's see. Gift giving is not my language. Oh, is she referring to that book that I don't like that everyone else likes? The love languages? Oh, yes. I'm the one person on earth. I know. I don't like it. I was just having a conversation with my girlfriends last weekend and they were talking, they were talking about their husbands and love languages. And well, maybe it's just not their love language. I'm like, I don't, I don't really buy that. Give me a break. I don't really believe in it. My love language is gifts. Therefore, I don't like attention and affection. (laughs) What's your love language? Mine is, oh, Nice acts being done for me. Well, who doesn't like it all? Of course we like it all. Okay. Anyway, maybe that's And I want you to know exactly what I need in the moment when I need it. I want you to anticipate my every need (laughs) and exceed my expectations. Don't don't categorize yourself into a love language category. I feel that book was so immature and the guy just got extraordinary success. I feel the same way about um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I never read that one. I, I never read it either, but I saw him. What's his name? John Gray. I saw him do a talk on television and I was shocked. I was borderline offended. He was like, when your wife is angry, number one, apologize. Number two, say, I'm sorry, honey, I'll never do it again. I mean, it was so ridiculous. And then number three, buy her flowers. Just like, for the record. You? Yeah. It, I don't ever want to be called honey. No, that, that was, it was just more of that like patronizing. It seems so insincere to me. It is insincere. It's a script. Say you're sorry. Say you'll never do it again. It was. I'm sorry, honey. I won't do that, honey. Bottom line. How are you, honey? And then buy flowers. I mean, please. Can you imagine this whole notion of women seeing flowers and like buckling at the knees? I mean, I'm all about getting flowers, but the time to get flowers is not in the apology. Just show up with them whenever. Right. But we can't. We're not just like we see flowers and we're like swooning now. They're just flowers. They're just a little, they're just a little act of joy, but that's why don't, don't bring them when you need to apologize. Like that's the, the flower is not going to resolve the problem. Uh, I think we have a whole episode in here. Look at us going on (laughs) and on about that. We got a lot to say. Okay. All right. So gift giving is not my language. See, this is where it gets us. Not her language. Now she won't give gifts. (laughs) I actually really like this woman. I, I recognize the name. She's really great. Um, it's a waste and I hate that we have to reciprocate gifts given. Mm, yeah, that's awkward. You can't just go receive, but maybe you can do a gesture. Like we'll cater all the food for everyone this year. Cause I think that would be a very nice gift to give. So there, or the pressure to give a gift when you don't really want to give a gift and it just feels like you're doing it for 
the show. Like, I don't like that. Well, you know, right. if, if I don't have a sincere gift to give someone, I don't really want to give the gift. I want, I, if I want to give the gift, I want it to be because I really care about giving this meaningful gift to them. Just for the record, you're an excellent gift giver. I put a lot of thought into it. You do. You're a wonderful gift giver. My husband is too. So are you. A very, very creative, thoughtful gift giver. Um, okay. New baby arriving late January. We live four hours away from the in-laws and we are still worried they'll show up. Well, you don't have to tell them right when labor begins, folks, that's the whole secret. Totally. Start pushing the baby up and get that. Tuck. Hey, we think we're in labor now. Send them the photo when the baby is born. Okay. After the placenta is out. Next for woman, similar, difficult, difficult, colon, in-laws don't know how to gather without alcohol and getting drunk. Wow. And I don't drink. Okay. That's not, that's good. challenging. Not a good mix. Okay. Married a year ago. In-laws do so much opposite from how I grew up. Fun yet difficult. I do think that is the blessing of a marriage that your, your in-law family is almost definitely going to be very different from your own. And I think it's, for me, it's been one of the best things because I don't know. It just gives you another perspective on things. So that little slightly, like if you have the same core values, I think it's really neat to have a family that's just a little bit different. You know, I I think that's cool. Um, That's, that can be good. Fun yet difficult. That I think that sums it up very well. Our niece, oh, our our niece was stillborn on Christmas day, 2021. If I go 42 weeks, that puts us on December 23rd. I feel like the family is only pretending to be happy for a holiday baby while still grieving the previous loss. Of course, that's very difficult. Of course, there's nothing, nothing to be done about that. Right. Both things coexist. My husband is the quote, black sheep of the family. Those are usually the awesome people. If there's a black sheep in a family, go him. I'm usually (laughs) friends with those people. (laughs) You picked Um, the right one. Yeah. Um, My husband is the black sheep of the family read established healthy boundaries. And we've never in 12 years of being together, been invited to any Christmas gathering makes me sad Uh, for our daughter, but also relieved. We don't have to deal with them. Now everyone knows how many other women are going through really tough family things. That is very sad for the children that shouldn't affect them. There was one year before we were married, they were, they left their house while my husband was visiting to go see the other siblings and didn't invite him to come with. Good Lord. Definitely in need of new traditions in that couple's household. Definitely. You guys can do better. The bar is very low. Husband is a cop working Christmas for the third year in a row. So hard for me and the kiddos. Definitely hard. Okay. I make a little, I make a trifle every year, little alcohol cause pregnant breastfeeding, but it's still epic. Good for her. A, A trifle. I make a trifle too. Yeah. You know what a trifle what's, is? What's a trifle? You're kidding. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. First of all, you need a trifle dish. So not a trifle. Usually, no, no, no. It's like a stemmed glass dishware and it's cylindrical and it doesn't uh, taper. So it's like a big, wide cylindrical. I, I'll show you. I'll send it to you. Um, I'm expecting a trifle at your Christmas party. I, I already decided I'm making one. So there, you think you're Perfect. challenging me, but you're just actually <laughs> giving me the support I need okay. and the cheering squad. Um, no, and it's a, it's beautiful. So you make, um, custard, you make a delicious custard with egg yolk and sugar and cream and all that. Then you make homemade fresh whipped cream, tons of it. And then you have just tons of fruit and berries and you do a layer of this like uh spongy, delicious uh, cake. And then you put the berries and then you put the custard and then you put a big layer of whipped cream and so on and so forth up this clear 
dish and it's a beautiful presentation. And when people serve themselves, they kind of just scoop deep into it and get a nice spoonful of the whipped cream and the custard. You'll try it at my house, my mom's recipe, but it doesn't have alcohol in it. I didn't even know some people do that. It sounds fabulous. And I don't believe I've ever seen or had one. Well, you will by the time this episode airs because of Christmas. We're doing this right before Christmas. Eve. Uh, Yes, you will. It's amazing. It's a treat. You'll love it. Okay. Uh, My five-year-old sister-in-law loves to watch me breastfeed her niece. She calls it the baby's snack. Cute. We went bowling on Christmas night last year, and I think it might be a new tradition. That's great. That's fun. Yeah, because Christmas. That's a great one. The the second half of Christmas day is usually incredibly quiet. Christmas Eve is the big day in my family. Yours too? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Morning is like intimate, and the day is very peaceful and quiet. Okay, next. Only the women exchange gifts on my husband's side. Poor guys. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fine. They're like, can we just go golfing for the day, please? They're, they're happy. They're fine. All right. Difficult. Trying to hide early pregnancy while the family asks when we are going to have babies. People really need to mind their business. Fun little secret. Fun <laughs> little secret. The next one says, in-laws think it's appropriate to share utensils and take food out of their mouth and give it to her kid. Oh, come Ew. on. Gross. She can't mean that. Nobody should do that. Of course. No, right. Nobody should do that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Although in parts of the world, mo- maybe, mothers do do that for their babies. Maybe she means like, like they bite a piece of a piece of fruit and like bite a hard yeah, they're, apple they're, off of the other half. They're not like pre-chewing the food for the baby and taking it out of their mouth, right? The, I mean, mothers do do that for their children in parts of the world, but that's... Okay, I'm losing my appetite. <laughs> she added, it makes me dread going there. They have very few boundaries. I'm like, good mm. Lord. My yeah. husband's family used Santa sacks. I had no clue what it was until my mother-in-law lost her mind over the excitement she had to make my babies for a Santa sack. Interesting. She worked so hard selling it that she got tendonitis in both wrists. Oh my oh, God. gosh. That's so sweet. Dedication. Yes. All right. Next one. When my pappy was alive. What's a pappy? Grandfather? Grandfather. Oh, it's that you're that certain. What do you call yeah. the mother? What do you call the mother? The wife then? The, the grandmother? Nappy. What? The nappy. Nappy? I thought you said mappy. Is it na- Are you making that up? <laughs> you're yeah. making that up? <laughs> Check out Trisha, everyone. Cracking the joke. See? We need that. Oh, it only Let's, comes out like once a year. We need you to do way more of that <laughs> spontaneous joke cracking. When my pappy was alive, he would make each of the grandkids. That's another Midwestern term. Grandkids, grandkids is not a Midwestern term. It's not? <laughs> no. I feel like it is. That is a English term. I feel like it's a, a Midwestern thing. I always thought it was. All right. When my pappy was alive, he would make each of the grandkids a Christmas scavenger hunt to find their gifts. They lived in a big old three-floor historic home in Pittsburgh. So special. That sounds amazing. And now everyone can know that I've done a scavenger hunt for years with my kids where I wrote, um, I write poems, of course. I don't know. I say, of course, because I've done it since I was like six, but I write poems. And each clue was a little one stanza, four-line poem. And they would have to figure out together where in the house I hid the next clue. So it might be in the piano bench. It might be in the, in the washing machine. And then the last one would reveal a gift for both of them. Very fun. Yeah, very fun. Um, next, the tradition where my sister-in-law's passive aggression turns into straight-up aggression. <laughs> that's Christmas for her. It's the, the tra- that's the tradition. 
history of aggression. <laughs> my husband and I's family. Okay, I, I can't. My husband's and my family both gift gift ornaments that represent your year. Oh, that's awesome. That's cute. That's so nice. So our tree is filled with de- different ornaments and memories through that. I love that. Well, I, I do that with my kids. I give them an, an ornament for every year in their stocking. So they have a, an ornament. That, but how does it commemorate the year? Is it a photo of them or does it have the well, year? Well, like, you know, last year my son got a pickle because he was super into pickles <laughs> at that great. stage of his life. That's so great. What else have you done? That's so cute. I don't know. Should think of owls and surf. Ruby got a surfboard because surfing was her thing that year. You should you should have done one that year when we started our podcast and you were with me and you weren't home when North was getting home and he was like eight and he couldn't get into the house and he broke in and you were really proud of him. He like <laughs> in a window. You were you were super proud of him. That were that yes. was a good one. You should give him a little a ladder, ladder or something. Perfect. Fond memories of my dad writing riddles and scavenger hunts of where to find presents he hid for us. That's exactly what. It's a good one. That's great. And I get, I get that quality from my dad too. And little, the poems and all that. Um, we don't, I don't know if you know this story, but um, there was a year, this is pretty amazing. My dad always wrote great poems and was very clever with words. And there was a year where I was about, let me think my brothers were in college. So I was probably like 14 and they were probably 18 and 20. And it was Mother's Day morning. And my mom, of course, we all went into it. We were all having breakfast together. And I had a gift and a card. I was so excited to give my mom and my brothers were at that age. They were just at that age where they were just like, oh, sorry, mom, I don't have your card yet, but I'll give it to you later today. And they, you know, they meant it, but they weren't ready. Right. And my dad just quietly walked out of the room after breakfast. And about 20 minutes later, he went to my brothers where they were, where their rooms were. And he handed them a sheet of paper that we still have. He wrote a whole poem from top to bottom. It was brilliant. And the first two lines of it were, who took the M from Mother's Day and made it just an other day. That's sweet. And that was how he spoke to them about it. Just this whole clever, witty, he didn't sound angry, but it was very poignant. Yeah, it is. And I always remember that. Yeah, he's very clever. Um, all right. Next. We don't see family usually for holidays since we are military and live far from home. That's tough. This one says, my mother-in-law sucks. She asked for advice on what to get my kids. She ignored the links I sent her. Then when she called asking questions about what she did get for them, and I mentioned they aren't into that stuff, she said, I don't care. This is what they're getting. Okay. Also, I'm pregnant with number four, and she asked if it was an accident. She's a peach. Oof. This woman is from Germany. Instead of Elf on a Shelf, we have Klaus in the house because we live in Germany. <laughs> Klaus in, the, in das Haus. All right. That's the last one. House being, of course, capital H-A-U-S. Of course. Of course. Even I knew that. Lest you think I'm speaking the opposite language again. See, but I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one who thought it was German. You weren't the only one. What did I say? Like closing gate panic. And you and the other one thought I was actually speaking German when that word is Torschlusspanik. That was funny. So what's your Christmas tradition then? Hey there, all you amazing, strong, and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms-to-be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. 
We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw-cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code down to birth at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code down to birth. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. Oh, goodness. We, I feel like we have a lot. My Christmas Eve brunch. Yes, that's a great one. Yeah. So after the brunch, which goes usually till like five or five thirty, then we all, all the family migrates over to my brother's house in the evening where we do our gift exchanges. And then we always sing the 12 days of Christmas. We all get a different part. Usually there's a few of us in each part. And that is definitely a family tradition. We've been doing that since I was a little kid. We always sing the 12 days of Christmas. Very nice. Love that. Um, what are yours? I, I think the the main one is just that, um, gosh, how many years now? 15 years, maybe more. My entire family descends upon my home. They do. And they bring all their dogs. Yep. And they move in. And your mom sometimes stays till March. My mother stays a very long time. 
and they take over my home. They do. That's the tradition. They do. And then when, when <laughs> and we And it's wonderful. Out- and we fight and we laugh and we fight. And when we hang out with your mom, she tells us what she thinks we should do with the podcast. <laughs> yes. Of course. Remember, remember years ago when the day I met her, she was like, now, Trisha, you should always wear a hat. <laughs> like, Cynthia, you're going to be the this one. And Trisha, you're going to be the that one. And I was just like, whoa, I'm not sure about any of this yet. But you well, do. The hat thing kind of stuck. You don't always wear one, but yeah, you do look really good in hats and you have an impressive collection. Thank you. Anyway, so that was fun. Time to get serious now, but I just realized this is a very long intro. And if anyone just can't get enough of hearing you and me sit around talking about our li- anything between our lives and d- deep, meaningful things, um, that's what the book club is all about. So join us on Patreon, join our book club. We do video podcast episodes where we talk just like this, chapter by chapter, book by book. Now, time to get on to our questions, shall we? Almost forgot let's about those. Get serious now. All right, let's, let's get down let's, to business. I thought you were going to say, let's get down to birth. <laughs> Hi, good evening, ladies. My name is Laura. I live in Boston. I am currently 16 weeks pregnant with my first baby. It's a baby boy. I I feel very lucky. Oh my God, I'm getting emotional. I'm getting, uh, feel very lucky for having found your resources. I'm feeling like I'll be able to have the birth that I want. My question is, um, in wanting to have a undisturbed third stage birthing the placenta, I worry that providers may at times imply that to prevent hemorrhage, they'll need to give me Pitocin. So I would like to know what are the indicators of postpartum hemorrhage? Is it blood pressure changes, gushing amount of blood that continuously comes out, and if that's the case? How do you gauge how much blood is actually coming out? My my hopes is uh, in the absence of true postpartum hemorrhage, I'll be able to birth the placenta and wait perhaps 30 minutes more and then cut the cord. Uh, Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. So she wants to know the indicators of postpartum hemorrhage. But unfortunately, this is not what a mom is supposed to be thinking about or worrying about after she has her baby. She should not have to feel like she is the one who needs to determine whether or not she needs Pitocin. Good point. The sad reality is that almost every woman gets Pitocin um, in third stage or shortly after the birth because it's done routinely. What's odd to me is that they do it both before and after the placenta comes out. You would think that there's a right or a wrong time to do it, even when it's necessary. Are you referring to the throat? As the woman is pushing the baby out. Remember, we had an obstetrics nurse on our podcast, and she said, I was instructed to give women two bags without even telling them if they were hooked up to an IV for any reason. I was instructed to give them two bags when they were pushing their baby out without even telling them. So I'm just like, even if, what are the best practices for it, even if you do want it. I always would figure it's after the placenta's out. No? Active management of the third stage of labor involved giving Pitocin with the birth of the anterior shoulder. So that was meant to help the placenta release quickly. And then it could be given again after the placenta separates to prevent bleeding. We know from some of the um, research that's out there and discussing this with Dr. Rachel Reed is that if you have had a physiologic labor, meaning unmedicated, then giving Pitocin um, in the absence of true 
excessive bleeding can increase the risk of bleeding. If you have not had a physiologic labor, if you have been induced, even if you've had an epidural or other medications, then actually giving Pitocin does seem to reduce the risk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Well, because she says it, once the, you're on that medical path, it's actually safer to stay on it until right. you've birthed your placenta. But if you're not on that path, it's a higher risk to suddenly intervene and introduce Pitocin after the birth. And Barbara Harper did, I think, one of the most valuable episodes on the topic with us, episode 200. She talked all about third stage. I know even we both learned a lot from her in that episode. So really recommend that one. But I just, I, but just for everyone to just hear what Trisha said, the, the argument goes, the first round of Pitocin is to get the placenta out quickly. That's always the red flag. That's not an indication. Just trying to get something done quickly is is always a red flag. The idea there is that the sooner you get the placenta out, the less likely the chance of the woman having a postpartum hemorrhage. That I think the opposite is true. No, and in I think physiologic labor, about, yes. In, but I mean, but because most, you need the capillaries. To most women off. aren't having physiologic births. That's but, why all of this is in place. But either way, you need the capillaries behind the placenta to seal off in order for the placenta to detach. So to just kind of make it come out, I wonder what the process is underlying that. Does it make the bleeding stop in order to make it come out? Or does it just get the placenta out because it's like activating the uterus, which is what Pitocin does do? Yes. I don't know if that's what it's, that's what it's meant to do. But her question about what are the indicators of postpartum hemorrhage? Is it blood pressure? Is it bleeding? Is it maternal symptoms? Yes. All of the above. Um, I mean, their technical definition is over 500 milliliters of blood loss, but that's very hard to gauge. Depending on if there's fluid coming out too, then the blood is diluted. If it's going into pads or sheets or clothes or whatever, it's hard to gauge blood loss. So um, blood pressure changes, dramatic blood pressure changes, symptoms in the mom of feeling faint, um, you know, turning pale, that kind of thing. Those are indicators that your clinician should look at. But Again, I hate to have this mom be worried about whether or not she has to determine if she's having a postpartum hemorrhage. That's not her job. That's the job of her provider. And can we wait is always an appropriate question. I think when women have these questions and we want to respond with this really shouldn't have to be your job, which is correct, it should be a sign to that woman that if she's even wondering and worrying about how to manage such a thing, it does point to a lack of absolute trust between her and her provider or else she would not have a care in the world. She would trust them so much. We've also heard of many moms though, who trust their midwives and who end up getting routine postpartum. Oh yeah. There are women who trust their providers and the providers can let them down later. That, that absolutely can happen. But if she's going into it with this mindset that she has to learn everything humanly possible, that already points to the fact that she doesn't totally trust her provider. All right, let's move on. Finding the perfect pregnancy and breastfeeding bra is no easy task. Your search is now over. Meet Davin and Adley, a mother-owned pumping, nursing, and maternity bra company with a unique, comfortable, and stylish cropped cami. This item is perfect to wear all day long from day one of your pregnancy right through the end of your breastfeeding journey and probably beyond. The Amelia cami makes pumping and breastfeeding easy while looking and feeling good on your body. It works seamlessly for both wearable pumps and flange pumps, and you can breastfeed in it. It also has a beautiful stretch lace back. You can sleep in it, dress up in it, go out in it, whatever you want to do in it. 
And trust us, the quality in this item and all of their items are top notch. They're soft, durable, and attractive. These bras will truly go the distance. Davin and Adley carry a gorgeous selection of maternity and nursing wear, and they have an innovative one-piece breast pad that we've never seen anywhere else. So no more losing those solo breast pads, ladies. Go ahead and check out the full collection of maternity and nursing items at davinandadley.com and use your promo code down to birth to save 15%. All right, breastfeeding moms. Do you want to know one of our all-time favorite items for your nursing journey? If you know us, you probably could guess it. Yep, it's the Silverette Nursing Cup. These little nipple heroes not only protect, but also heal because they're made of real silver. It is naturally antimicrobial, antifungal, and anti-inflammatory. These little cups will be your best friend in the early sensitive weeks of breastfeeding your baby. And our favorite part is they last literally forever. You can pass them on just like you would a favorite piece of jewelry. Head on over to silverettusa.com and use promo code down to birth to save 15%. Hello, um, my name is Jade and I was just listening to one of your podcasts and you mentioned that the number one cause of women going from a home birth to a hospital birth is failure to progress. So I was just curious, is that dangerous that they are failing to progress, or what is the real reason why a woman would need to transfer to the hospital for failure to progress, and what does that actually mean to fail to progress, and is there anything that a woman can do to help progress the labor at home? Thank you so much. I love your podcast. I just found it and have been binging listening to it. Thank you so much. That's a very good question. I agree. And we (laughs) haven't gotten it before. Yeah. Okay. So the transfer rate from home to hospital is typically around 10%. That's pretty standard across all home birth. And that is for non-emergency, non-urgent transfers, which failure to progress, which we hate that term. Um, would fall under. So it's typically more for maternal exhaustion or labor that is not no longer progressing and the mom may need some epidural or pain relief uh, or sleep to have the labor continue. Is it dangerous? No. That's what's interesting about it. I mean, just to even say the mom may need some help is so questionable. Because some women's labors last days and days, and no one is here to say you should endure this if you're not sleeping, if you're in discomfort, if you're exhausted. She has a right to change her birth plan. I always get concerned if the provider says it's been too long, because if the fetal heart rate is fine and you know her blood pressure is fine and all the usual things you're looking for, there, like Trisha just said, there there really isn't a concern. It's a matter of whether everyone gets, I think, emotionally demoralized. And the mother gets physically tired. Um, you mentioned an epidural, Trisha. I've learned that you know when the cervix gets swollen, sometimes from being days in labor, the epidural is a useful tool at making labor relax and letting the swelling go down. So that's a tool that the the epidural comes in for, right? Yes. The other, yeah, the other thing though is that it can allow a mother who is exhausted and 
hasn't maybe eaten well or hydrated well and is just depleted, it can allow her to rest and recover. And then her body can kick back in and, and take over. So that epidural gives her the time and the space to sleep. Exactly. It's like, it's literally used as a tool, which I think is an important distinction from like, you know, this isn't happening. So let's start throwing all the interventions at you. Or, or g- give you some support so that your body can recover and finish the job. Um, but a home birth transfer for failure to progress, as she described it, is is pretty much always the mother's choice. It should be. Like you said, if it's the midwife saying, you know, this is taking too long. I think we need to go. Then that's Nothing's not happening here. That's not so yeah. great. Um, but if the mom decides that she wants to go and get some additional support, or if it's it because the labor isn't progressing and the baby's not looking good, but that's not failure to progress. Now we're talking about fetal distress, right? So failure to progress is not a dangerous situation. And it should be again, based on the mom's choice to change course of action, course of plan with her, her planned home birth. Yeah. And I I just want to add that failure to progress is the top reason for cesarean section in the United States. And I think that's the good news because since it's not really a medical indication, because again, it's presuming everything is fine and normal. It's just a function of how long labor has lasted. That's good news because that means we can eradicate the top reason women are getting cesarean sections if we start handling a prolonged labor differently. Um, and I and the guidelines to, have changed on it, which is good news. That's true too. They have changed favorably on it. Favorably, um, they also changed the terminology. It's no longer called failure to progress. It's called, I believe, a rest of labor. I don't think that's an improvement. <laughs> I don't. Fail, I, failure to progress or a rest of labor. I don't like that one at all. I would never I mean, use it's it. not great either, but it is not. I like not having failure in there. I, think. I like not having a rest in there because, you know, when you, <laughs> when you think medically of the word arrest, it's impossible not to consider cardiac arrest. I have to just oh. also mention, I'm a hypnobirthing instructor and I have to represent Mickey Mongan, founder of hypnobirthing. She has her niche firm opinion on failure to progress herself. And I'm going to put it there. She says it's failure to wait. It's failure to love. It's failure to give space and privacy and intimacy. She says it is as often in the mother's brain, not her mind, not in her mind and her thinking, in her brain as anywhere else, because she needs to feel that much safer and better. So I do think it's beyond her position. It's the water and the hydration and everything else we talked about, but there is something very great to be said about how often women are in hospitals and not feeling safe. And of course that tension is preventing the secretion of oxytocin, making her cervix tighter, thereby increasing those odds of failure to progress. Failure to be patient. Right. That's what we renamed it. That's right. And and that is why you said it's the leading cause of C-section because women have been expected to give birth based on the Friedman curve, which is so outdated and so incorrect. Um, And finally, ACOG gave up on that, but they still have parameters and expectations for labor progress. Especially in a hospital where time is money. Right. Hey, Cynthia and Trisha, I love your show so much. And as a first time uh, pregnant mom, you guys have been such an amazing resource of uh, information and helping me ask questions and research things. I'm just so appreciative for both of you. My question uh, for you today is 
about RSV. And um, I'm pregnant with my first due in January, and right now I'm hearing a lot about how uh, visitors, um, uh, you know, anybody besides me and my husband should not be kissing the baby. Uh, and I was wondering if, in your opinion, if that is warranted, uh, that amount of precaution is necessary based on the research. Should I really not let my mother come to uh, kiss the baby, you know, when she comes to visit? And I was also wondering if you do agree with that. I would love to hear how each of you would phrase that um, or set that boundary because both of you are so good with respectfully and kindly setting uh, boundaries with family. And I would love to hear how each of you would say, please don't kiss my baby. Um, So thank you so much. I don't think she's going to love my response to this because I think women are divided on this and I'm really squarely on one side. Um. I just, I'm not a germaphobe. I have a, I have a reasonable fear of germs, I think. I mean, I'm not someone who ever said to anyone who came into my home, can you please go wash your hands before you hold my baby? Um, it didn't bother me if a loved one who came into the home held the baby, kissed the baby. And I know statistically that's safer and better for the baby, but I wasn't even coming from that place. I just didn't fear it. I did not like being around other sick babies, runny noses, coughing, sneezing. When I had social gatherings with other moms and babies, I really didn't appreciate that. But I think we know when people basically look well and feel well, they are well. So I just, I don't think it has to come down to how to delicately have this conversation. That said, I know that there are women who have incredible outrage, resentment, anxiety around even a grandmother walking into the home and kissing the baby. So I'm not here to tell anyone how to feel and think. I'm just not a great person to answer because I I don't understand those feelings. I just don't have that kind of fear of well-looking people on the verge of spreading a disease. Yep. I am pretty much in the same boat as you. I never felt concerned or worried about people being around my baby, holding the baby or or kissing the baby. I, I mean, I don't know that it needs to be like standard that we kiss all babies. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of people kissing my babies, but it did, I didn't have any thoughts or worry around it whatsoever. I think if you are the type of person who is a little bit uncomfortable with germs and that is going to make you uncomfortable, then it's totally fine and appropriate to simply say, can you please wash your hands before you hold the baby? And in this house, we're not, we're asking that you don't kiss the baby right now. So to this woman, no yourself, know what is going to make you feel comfortable and not comfortable and feel free to speak your peace. I think it's okay. But also check your anxiety because it's a hell of a way to go through postpartum being terrified that every germ, which is completely unavoidable, that every germ is about to come and harm your baby. Yeah. Don't, don't be like that. That's, that's nerve wracking. <laughs> True. Yes. The, the fear is far worse than anything else. But also remember that if you're breastfeeding your baby, you are literally passing on your immune system to them every day and they are very well protected. It doesn't mean they're never going to get sick, just like as adults, we can get sick and have a healthy immune system that fights it off. So a healthy full-term baby who's breastfeeding is very well protected against environmental germs. Hi, Cynthia and Trisha. Uh, Big fan of your podcast. Thank you for all that you do. I had a question uh, regarding using breast milk topically to try to heal things. Uh, My son, who's four months old, just developed pink eye, courtesy of his older sisters. 
Um, and I would like to try to treat it naturally. And I know I've heard of putting breast milk in the eye. When I look it up online, the main like opt, um, the main websites say not to do that, but I don't always trust those sources. So I was just wondering if you had any information on the safety of using breast milk to treat pink eye. Thanks. Bye. So breast milk is definitely antibacterial and antiviral. So it's not unreasonable to think about using breast milk. However, it may not be effective enough. And um, if you have, if it's not easily resolving or it's getting worse, I would say you need to pursue a diagnosis when your baby has conjunctivitis or some type of eye infection. Um, I'm not opposed at all to putting breast milk in it. I'm just saying it may not, but it can't hurt. Fresh breast milk. So the concern is that (laughs) the concern is that you could introduce further bacteria into the eye. Right. It can that happen. With all those white blood cells, I mean, I remember when you leave breast milk out, it keeps getting cleaner and cleaner cleaner as the hours go by because it's inherently antimicrobial. And if there's bacteria landing in it, it kind of addresses it and takes care of it and gets rid of it. That's true. I mean, it is antibacterial. It does at some point change. The, the the thing is, is about the bacterial load. So the, mm. the breast milk can kind of keep everything in check for mm. long periods of time. And it does keep self-cleaning. But if you have an unusual amount of bacteria, it can't keep up, something like that. But I, this is pretty unlikely. And we you know recommend using breast milk for a lot of remedies to heal things in newborns, cuts, infections, whatever. I'm just saying eye infections can be serious. So if it's I wouldn't necessarily rely on that solely, especially if it's getting worse. All right. Well, that's a wrap for the condensed version of this month's Q&A. But if you're with us on Apple subscriptions or on Patreon, then let's move on to the extended version. Otherwise, what time is it, Tricia? Our favorite time. Time for quickies. Let's have it. Here we go. Quickie number one. All right. I am five months postpartum. Should I tell my midwife? I'm five months postpartum. Should I tell my midwife now that she overmanaged my third and fourth stage of labor? It's never it's never too late to tell your midwife that she overmanaged your exactly. third stage yes. of labor. You should tell her. <laughs> There's no statute of limitations on feedback. Right. Agree. Perfect. Next one. What is the longest pregnancy can go without intervention? Is it 43 weeks, 44 weeks, 45 weeks? 46 weeks, 47 weeks, 48 weeks. That is highly unlikely, but it can go as long as it needs, as long as the mother and baby are doing okay, it can go as long as it takes. There isn't a, there isn't a cutoff. Next. Do I need a Rogam shot for pregnancy loss? My doctor is pushing it on me. So she must be RH negative. So we have a really excellent episode on this. It's episode number 211. And it will give you all the nitty gritty information on this. But the short answer is that the chance of sensitization under 12 weeks is very, very low. So she may be pushing it, but it is not likely necessary. Next, I would like to decline weighing myself at prenatal visits. Are there any risk to doing so? Weighing myself? Right. You know how they weigh, usually weigh you right when you yeah, get to that's the that's interesting. First I, would, I would love to ask her why. I like that. I like the question, but why do you think she's leaning that way? Just because she doesn't want oh, to get I've, caught up in all the nonsense of yeah, she's getting I've the right amount? Definitely had women 
decline to weigh themselves at their prenatal visits. They just, it's too anxiety, too much. Yeah. Too much anxiety to, to, to look at the scale or, or, you know, people just have a fear of gaining weight. Um, and it, even though it's a natural process in pregnancy, it feels uncomfortable. They have so, a fear also, Trisha, of not gaining weight. I had just a couple months ago, a client who, yeah, didn't that can happen to that yeah. happened to me at one point in one pregnancy, I didn't gain at all for three weeks. And then all of a sudden I jumped up a, a few pounds, but yeah, that's also another so reason. Either way, it can be anxiety provoking. So I think if she's willing to periodically just check in with herself on her home scale, that's not a bad idea. You can absolutely go through a pregnancy, never knowing your weight. Um, as long as your baby's growing well and you're feeling good and you're eating well, you can do that. But you know, weight gain is one of the variables. This is not quick. Sorry. Okay. Finish (laughs) quickies. Finish your point. It's okay. Um, Weight gain is one of the variables that we look at to, to determine progress and growth in pregnancy. So you don't have to, but it is helpful. Um, Is pushing with a cervical lip really a big deal? So is it really a problem? Not necessarily. No, it is actually a normal part of labor progress. Isn't that interesting? It, so, but it also supports not having a vaginal exam because right. the one reason you always think, well, maybe I need to have one is just to make sure there's not a cervical lip. It's like, well, but even that should still work out just fine. Very good to know. The answer is that it's more likely a normal part of the process of the cervix finally doing its final opening than anything else. Do you need to take prenatal vitamins while breastfeeding? You don't ever need to take prenatal vitamins. What you do need is good nutrition always. Which is not always so easy to do. So sometimes a high quality prenatal vitamin can be helpful. And it is important to know that you have more caloric and nutritional requirements in breastfeeding than pregnancy. Probably it's not a bad idea to take one a little bit. What are your options for a breech baby to avoid a C-section? Vaginal breech birth. Find a provider who's skilled in attending a vaginal breech birth after, yeah. Second option is external cephalic version, right? Turning the baby. And for the women who do want a C-section for a breech baby, you can wait until you're in labor. You don't have to ever schedule it. You can wait until you're in labor when your baby is really ready. There's a small chance the baby can go head down in labor, but at least you can have that confirmation if the baby didn't. And at least the piece of knowing the baby is seeking to come out. And it, it's, you know, you can imagine a gentler C-section if the baby is seeking to come out. I'll stop there. It's a quickie. Yeah, but it is another option I think women aren't presented with. I am a first-time mom and a minimalist. I have only the wild bird sling. Are there any other must-have items? She must join our book club and go through our simplicity parenting videos from our November book club book on Patreon. If she is to have one item, that is the item, a baby sling. I absolutely agree. Okay. Last one. Okay. This is a funny one. Uh Okay. I forgot. (laughs) This is the personal one, right? Yeah. If you could only wear one outfit every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Boot cut yoga pants. Good choice. What else? What else? What on top? Yeah. I get to wear a top. Oh, good. Probably Um, want to wear a top. I don't know. I'm not as choosy about the top. Well, what's your favorite thing to wear with bootcut yoga pants? I mean, everything. I don't have a good answer for the top. I'm flexible. Sports bra? Literally just a sports bra with pants the rest of my life. That's ridiculous. (laughs) 
I can go that anywhere. That sounds uncomfortable. Actually. I would look so silly. I would look so silly. I don't like to be in my sports bra a second longer than I need to be. What about you? Definitely jeans. I do love jeans. Boot cut jeans and a white t-shirt and some and some gold hoops. Well, that's an interesting question. All right. Well, this is now, this is the last episode, Trisha, the last episode of season four. We launched exactly four years ago. We begin season five with our next episode. Look at that. That's amazing. I know. It's exciting. Anyway, thank you all. Thank you all who have been with us through the years or who are new to us. We wish you all a happy, wonderful, fulfilling, joyful, playful. Did I say healthy yet? Healthy, inspiring, gratitude filled, sexy, prosperous, sexy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. That's so perfect for the episode coming out next week. I can't believe it. Oh yeah. Boy, are we, are we, is that how we're starting the new year? Yes. If you guys blush easily, just be (laughs) forewarned and, and we're going to play this one with children in the car. And we have that one on full video with visuals and all, and they will make you you blush too. And we're putting that on Patreon. We're going to give that to all patrons. Even the tier one patrons are going to get that full video of next week's episode on Patreon. You will not want to miss it and do watch it with your partner. It'll change your life. And while you're there, check out our New Year's book on Atomic Habits. How tiny changes make remarkable results. Thank you, everyone, for being part of this ever-growing, beautiful community. We are so grateful. And we wish you all an incredible start to 2024. And And we'll let you in on a little down-to-earth secret. Shall we, Cynthia? We have very exciting things coming for 2024 something you've all been waiting for. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. Say it. Leave me alone. Say it. Go, go listen to the episode we did with Jessica. Is that say it? Yes, I can okay. say clitoris. There we go. Leave me alone. <laughs> so difficult. The way growth. you me. Growth. Come up with something else for me than that. It was too easy. Okay. But I, I do won't... remember when we I do remember when we were working in the studio before COVID. Uh, there was a tech guy, and you said in front of me and in front of Zoo. To him, do you know, did you say, wait, what did you say? You said like, do you know where the clitoris is? And I looked at you and I died. (laughs) I was like, this is just a tech dude. And you're talking to him this way. So that, that is when we discovered we had very different feelings about how and when to use the word clitoris. And I just, I just could never say that to a stranger, especially in a direct way where I'm challenging them. Sir, can you correct me to the clitoris? And by the way, doesn't everyone know where it is? Come on.
I hope so. So if the you episode, don't. I'll, you know what? I have to say the episode next week, that's like, that's something she hardly talks about. Her whole point is let's get everything else around, right? Stop once. focusing just on that. 